Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The series we're on is Kingdom Values, um, but the lesson today is titled Putting Others First. So the two verses that it gives is out of Mark um, the 10th chapter, the 21st and 22nd verse. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at the saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Now, it's probably been, um, I don't know how long, but it, it's, it's been not too long, but I was going to work, listen to a Christian radio station, and a, a lady was talking, and she was talking about a house she was looking at, so she kept on, and one house kept popping up that she kept saying, you know, I need to go look at this house. So she read on there, and it said waterfront property. And since it was down south, she said, you know, that may be appealing. Let me go look at this house. So it, it was rather lengthy, but what she's getting at is she says, sometimes things are not as they seem. She went to go look at the house, and she said what it actually was was a canal going by the house. And she said, okay, was it truly waterfront property? Well, I guess you could say that. But from filters and lenses and everything, the way they took the shot, it literally looked like waterfront property. So I'm saying in the world in which we live, okay, I'm going to tell you where I'm going. The title is Putting Others First. If I had to title this, this is what I would title it, is a rich young selfie. And today, and I'm going to tell you something which would probably shock you to death, but I'm going to run the gauntlet. I have never taken a selfie. So I'll give you a minute. Okay, come on back, come on back. Now, there's approximately 92 million selfies taken every day in America. And that translates in to 54 hours a year of people looking at me. I want to take a picture of me. So, uh, you know, I'm making light of it, and I am through the lesson. But a selfie, I remember when this really started getting serious. A selfie is only one snippet of that person's life. And then all of a sudden, 
I remember hearing about when teenagers, when this started being posted and the drama it started causing because they look at this one second and make a determination. Look how good their life is. And when the Lord said, and he beheld him and he loved him, to me that's saying, yeah, but there's more to your life than this moment. And then, you know, the rich, the rich young ruler, he's like, yeah, but I don't want to talk about that. I've, I've done all these rules, and I'm for rules. But rules was not the whole thing. Something was holding his heart, and it had to be his riches. But when you, when you see a selfie, somebody's pose, you know, whichever side's their good side, you know, and it, don't think. There's 84,000. What was it? I wrote it down because I might forget it. There is, believe me, I didn't write it down. Okay, I got a memory. 86,400 seconds in a day. The Lord is concerned about the rest of the seconds. Not just that one time we're trying to make good to the Lord. He is concerned. And, and, and my statement is when all of this drama started, well, look how good they're having it or look how good he's having it. Then the adults got in the equation. All these selfies that started being posted, realizing, and, and, and just forgive me, I'm not a phone person. If you call me, I may not answer. And it's not that I'm rude. I just don't tote my phone. Some people, when you call them, they're guaranteed an answer. Believe me, I'm not being rude. I just don't tote a phone. And so some people live with their phone. They probably sleep with their phone. But to go as far as think as what you see of that one second is their life, it's just not true. It is just not true. There's so much more to life than what that selfie is showing. So I believe when the rich young ruler knelt down to Jesus and he said, all this I've held for, you know, since I was a kid kid. Wait a minute, Jesus. That's it. I'm going to post this on Jerusalem Post. You know, I got this done. But the Lord said, no, I'm concerned about all of you. The rest of you I want to get to. So he takes and he does this, and he he's going he's going to see what the the rich young ruler is about. So he one thing about it, we don't know how rich he was, how much authority he had, where his riches came from. All we know is what the Bible says: he was a rich young ruler. Now, in the beginning, where he where he came to the Lord, the Bible says in verse seventeen, and when he was gone forth into the way there came one running I mean he's got his phone in hand he's running to the Lord and he kneeled unto him and said but note the words good master good master and what shall I do it that I may inherit eternal life now there was something in this young ruler's life that money wouldn't buy so he goes to the Lord and he addresses him as good master so the Lord addresses him. Why are you calling me good master? And so I believe that here he goes to the Lord. We should really know the God that we're praying to. So he asked the rich young ruler with a question. Why callest thou me good? There's only one good and that's God. Do you know who you're addressing? And he's trying to make a point to the rich young ruler. Because later when we see he drops the good. 
He just says, Master. The Lord just shocked him. And he's, and he's saying that. And, and Jesus said unto him, Walk all us how many good. There is none good but one. That is God. And that's when he tells him, Know the commandments. And that's when he tells him, Hey, <laughs> I got these down. I got all the rules. But there's more to this than the rules. There's the inside part of you. That's why you came to me. Because when you lay down at night, there's something driving you that all your wealth can't fix. And, and that was the thing. That's why I believe he came to Jesus. Because if money could buy happiness, we would have a lot of satisfied people in our world. But money can't. And there's a lot of people has wrecked their lives trying to prove that point. So he comes to Jesus. And then he asked him, what, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, rich young ruler. With all the distractions that come with this, we have to give him credit by going to the Lord. Rich, young ruler. You would think that he's just walking around with his phone in hand everywhere he goes. He's got it made, so to speak. But yet he knows, I'm missing something. Why ain't I happy? I've got everything. I'm a rich I'm a ruler. Everybody looks at me like you've got it made. Yes, I do. In the public, I am the man. But at night, when I'm alone, I know something's missing. I can't figure it out. I don't know. I rack my brain. I've got everything. Everybody tells me I'm it. But there's something missing. My soul's not happy. The physical part of me is happy. I tell myself, I look in the so-called mirror whatever it was, and say, why aren't you happy? And I tell myself, I don't know. I'm doing everything I know, but I'm not happy. I just don't know. And I go to him and I say, good, master. And then I get shocked and I only say, master, after that. I need to know who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to the, the God that made it all. And so he takes and he says in, in verse 21, Read with me. I'm still. In, I'm gonna stay in, in in the tent. And he said, "Beholding him, I'm gonna read through 21 and 22." And then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, "One thing thou lackest." He knew that there was one thing that he lacked. He knew that. He said, "Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt." have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross follow me and he was sat at the saying and went away greed for he had great possessions now we're Americans I guarantee you when that said sell whatsoever thou havest give to the poor thou shalt treasure in heaven we're Americans we go straight to the money I just want to ask you something where God says sell whatsoever you have God you're I, I can almost guarantee you you went straight Sell everything you have. Give everything away. Sell it. But what about God was saying, give to the poor in spirit. Give to the poor in knowledge. You are a ruler. You have knowledge that other people don't have. What are you doing with that? You're sitting on knowledge. You as apostolic, one God Pentecostals, are we sitting on knowledge that a lot of people don't have? What are we doing with that knowledge? Sell whatsoever thou hast. Get rid of the clutter. And this, what was, this is what was happening in this rich young ruler's life. All the things that so-called supposed to make him happy was not making him happy. And God said, get rid of the clutter. 
and you would have treasure in heaven. And I believe he just flips out. What do you mean? I can show you my treasure. It's this, this, and this. Yeah, but there's one thing that's holding your treasure, and that's your heart. Do I believe God wanted him to get rid of everything he has? I'll clear that up right now. I don't believe God wanted him to sell everything he has. Am I, do I believe God's against your riches? No, I do not. His heart was in his riches. That's what God wanted. He didn't need his riches. The God that has everything, do we think he wants our little bit of money? No, he wants what's holding us. His heart was guarding his riches. God said, get rid of that that holds your heart. Give me your heart and I will give you treasure in heaven. He couldn't relate to that. What just had him so up, just turned upside down was his wealth that was holding him. And he was thinking, really? I don't know where heaven is. I can't see heaven. I can't feel heaven. You're telling me I'll have treasure in a place? That I can't even explain. And God was saying you're so wrapped up in this materialism. That you can't even relate. You come to me. You call me good master. And I tell you if you will do this. Then I will give you what you lackest. Because your heart is consumed in this. And he just said what does he do? Does he stay and try to figure it out? He takes his heart. And he leaves. And the Bible said he was grieved. I can't believe you're asking me to do this. Why would God want everything I have? To give you everything you don't have. I believe it with everything that's in me. I'll tell you straight up. If he took and right then sold everything he had, I believe God would have replaced it many times over. Many times over. To step out on faith. And do what God said to do. I believe he would have slept so good that night. He wouldn't have woke up worrying about why, why do I feel void inside. I'm not feeling nothing but comfort for the first time in my life. The possessions that has held me is not holding me no more. Right now God is saying sell it. That which is holding you. It can be many things. But with him it was his wealth. It was his wealth, and God was saying, we, we, we do. I, I, I just believe it. We're Americans. We go to the money. you got to get rid of the clutter that's holding you. And we just say, I can't believe that. Why would you serve a God that wants you to sell everything you got? For the pure and simple reason, to give you everything you don't have. And that is his spirit. That is his spirit. So he takes and he does that. He went away, he went away grieved. And disciples, what gets me careful, I've said it so many times behind the careful who you listen to. The disciples even got in on the negative side of it. The disciples is shocked at the Lord's response to the negative part of this rich young ruler. They go, Lord, have mercy. A rich young ruler comes to Jesus and Jesus is telling him this. Sell everything you got. I can't believe he's doing that. We're your disciples. Do you understand that, Lord? And so they're just literally shocked of what's happening and, and with the Lord telling him to do that. Now, he's telling him, why callest thou me good? There's only one good, and that's God. Really and truly, really and truly. I've said it, the revelation of Jesus Christ is the beginning. That's where we start when we realize who God really is. 
That is where we start, who God really is. We commit everything to him. Now, he asked him, what lack I yet? So despite a lifetime of commandment keeping, the rich young ruler recognized something was missing. His youth, wealth, and power had fulfilled the emptiness he felt inside, but he's looking for more. Literally, I believe that's why he came to the Lord. Literally, he, he did this. Faith and obedience was what he had. He had it to the list of rules. And if I'm not saying I, I don't believe that we shouldn't have rules. I'm telling you, we should. We should. We see in our own world what doing away with rules will get you. Now, but we've got to have rules. So he takes, he does this. we got to have rules. Now, but here's the Lord. And here's what we can't forget. That love is not afraid to speak the truth. When somebody, a minister, somebody you have confidence in, tells you a truth and it hurts you, love is not afraid to speak the truth. I'm not saying, the Bible says, and I've quoted this so many times, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. But there again, the Lord told him, this time it's the Lord, one thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou have, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Take up the cross and come and follow me. Now, you could ask everybody, what's their version of take up the cross? It would probably vary a little bit. But when you read of the Bible what it means to take up the cross, and it's varied, trans, not translations, but varied in words. Sometimes it says take up your cross. But when you read that, of what it means, when we read of the Lord, of him going to the cross, basically it's denying this flesh. The Lord was crucified in his flesh. So the Bible just simply says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it is not an easy concept, so to speak, to crucify this flesh, as Paul said, every day. But we can do it. Now, the one thing that the rich young ruler didn't want to do was commitment. It shocked him so much when God told him to sell everything. He just, I can't do that. I can't do that. My wealth is my status. I have been so talked about. I have been so uplifted in the community. You want me to get rid of all that? I can't do that. I can't do that. You want me to commit to you, and in my eyes, I will have nothing. But how only God can convince someone that looks at it that way but really, when they're saying, in my eyes, I have everything. But in Jesus' eyes, they will have everything. Only God can convince them of that. That's why the rich young ruler walked away grieved. Because in his eyes, he's leaving everything. But in God's eyes, he's saying, you're gaining everything. And he says, no, <laughs> I can show you. I can show you. You can't show me nothing. I know that's a little cruel, but God was saying, but you will gain everything. And to boot eternal life. This is the only life I know. When God moves on an individual to get to that point and to take that point, 
Only God can do that. Only God can do that. He just could not fathom exchanging all that he had for what God had. He just couldn't do it. The Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Which some have, the Bible says, what some has coveted after, erred from the faith, and pierced herself through with many sorrows. Many sorrows. Now, Jesus told him, sell what thou hast. Jesus challenged him, and thou shalt have. Thou shalt have. He just couldn't get past today. I'm going to sell everything today, and I shall have. <clears throat> no, made no sense. Made no sense. Why do I want to sell everything I have obtained and sell it? I can't do that. I can't do that. His life was overflowing with possessions. He just, he just could not do it. Now, I'm going to read. I'm going to go. Let's go to the 23rd verse. And I'm going to read down through 27 and just tell you what I think. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, I told you they was getting a little wild about, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples was astonished. That's the first time. They was astonished at his word. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they was astonished, second time, but this time it's out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? And Jesus looking upon them saith, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Now... I can only tell you what I believe. I know it's talked about the gate over there in Jerusalem and all of that. Don't get mad at me. This is just me. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> when Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. Okay. This is me. I believe he's just literally saying to them, he's using the largest land animal that they had was a camel, the smallest opening they knew, the eye of the needle. He said, can a camel, literally, I think this was the example, can a camel go through that? No. Then for a rich man, going back to the rich young ruler, then for a rich man entering heaven. And I believe what Jesus is saying if you trust in your riches, number one, you're not going to make it. Number two, can you buy your way into heaven? No. And I believe that's what God was saying. How hard is it for them, them that he said now, for them that trust in riches to enter in. You can't, you can't use your riches. And I believe all as God is saying is that you try to make it on your own without me. And depend on your riches? You can't do it. You can't do it. Is God against your riches or our riches? No. Not one bit. But just go back to my statement. Do you possess your wealth? Or does your wealth possess you? That's all God is saying. 
If you think you can make it on to heaven by yourself, then put a camel through the eye of the needle. You can't do it. And I believe God is saying there's no way you can do it without me. That's how. That's how. You can't do it. You can't do it. Is God against us having wealth? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Now, I'll go ahead and read uh, the end. And then it says that, that the, the, the apostles astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, well, who then can be saved? You know, they're listening to the Jesus talk about this rich young ruler, and they're getting worried. They was astonished out of measure. New Testament Greek, that's probably flipped out. They just saying, who then can make it? You know, they're listening to this rich young ruler and then he turns around and walks away and then Jesus is explaining to his disciples, those that trust in riches has got a long, tough road ahead of them. And besides, they're not going to make it without me. And his disciples is so worried that they say, basically, then why should we even try? And Jesus just says, with God, with God, all things are possible. Don't let this guy influence you to thinking that because you have some wealth, you can't make it. Because you can. With me, you can make it. Put your trust in me and you can make it. So, and, and, and then Peter began in 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we've left all. And we have followed, a, and we have followed thee. Jesus said, Lord, Really now, we have left all, and we're following you. In 29, and Jesus answered and said unto him, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands, and if we could stop there, we'd get that selfie. But how many times do you hear people that focus on this next word? With persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. If he hadn't threw that in there, go back to what he just said. Apart from me, you can't make it. So look at all this God promised. God is saying, just don't walk away from me. When things start going good and you start reaping the benefits of God, don't think it's you that is obtaining this. Persecutions is going to come. It's going to rain on the unjust as well as the just. Look to me. Don't think just because you're reaping all of this, you're just so good and quit taking the selfies and look to me because I'm the one that's causing all of this. You're going to receive all of this, God is saying. But he threw that in there to keep us humble. With persecutions. They just going to come. We can't get away from it. It's Bible. It's in there. He lists so many things. And right there at the end, with persecutions. But with God. But with God. All things are possible. So no matter what comes. I hate to put it that way. No matter what comes, God has promised. He has promised. And then he throws in one last thing. 
But many that are first shall be last and the last first. And I can hear Peter in the background. Why do you have to say stuff like that? He's the mouth of the butt. I don't know. I'll just give you one man's opinion. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. Okay, you got the rich young ruler coming up. And he just, all he does is take himself to the Lord, shut him down. And then many that are first. So I believe the Lord was just saying to him, you know what? This guy, this rich young ruler, he thinks he's first in the kingdom. But let me tell you something. You're so weirded out of what's happening. He's going to be last. The scribes and the Pharisees look at you, my disciples, and they call you last in the kingdom. But let me tell them something. You're going to be first in the kingdom. You're the ones that's going to be first. The first is going to be last, and the last is going to be first. One man's opinion. So his, his life was overflowing. But what may I do to inherit eternal life? And he just, he just wouldn't give it up. He just wouldn't give it up. So when God calls us to to clear the clutter from him is that so he can literally give us more of him. And all we know is life, and sometimes we're just human. Life crowds in on us, and we just sometimes we just think that's all they are to this is life. And we are sometimes like the rich young ruler. We just go through day by day, persecutions come. And we just think, you know, if I can just get through this, you know. And God is saying, there's more to life than this one second you're in. I, I can help you. I can help your mind clear all of this. And I will give you the peace, the happiness, the contentment that you're longing for. We think that life just, it just wears us down. It just holds us down. And we just think sometimes that that's just all they are to life. But God, sometimes he's just, he's asking us just to clear everything out, to clear everything out. Now, the Bible says that Jesus made of himself no reputation, took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found Fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So one thing we cannot forget is the human side of Jesus actually died. So the Bible says that he was tempted in all points as we are tempted. So literally, when we find ourselves in temptation or in ways of any kind of way, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points as we are tempted. So you're not praying to a God that, that does not understand what you're going through. I mean, you know, people goes, and I'm not saying it's bad, but spends thousands of dollars talking to someone that as soon as you leave is going to write a few notes and go to the next person. I'm not saying that's wrong. But when you're praying to God, He knows exactly where you're at, what you're thinking spiritually where you're at, what you spiritually need, what you need to do, and can help you. And uh, has your best, literally, at heart. 
And he can do that. Now, he's blessed us. We're grateful for what he's blessed us with. We don't need to apologize for the way God has blessed us. Not at all. Not at all. But we do not need to let it and um, hold it so tight that it becomes a curse. Now, God even tells us, for what shall it profit a man if he could gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And that is one of my favorite verses. I love it with a passion. God said, if you could gain everything your eyes could see, but if you lost your soul, you would be the loser. You would be the loser. Okay. I'm going to close with this. It is something... It's a little bit different closing, but given today what today is, this is not spiritual in nature. This just deals with time. I love time. You may not believe what I'm fixing to say. If you love football, you really may not believe what I'm fixing to say. But it is true. I read statistics back to 1912. And I feel confident to say this is true, what I'm fixing to give you. Now, the Super Bowl will be in a few hours. And then what all, if I had to make an analogy, it would just be this. This is the way the world, sin, does us. And I will show you what I mean. The average price, the last time I checked, of the Super Bowl was $9,000 a seat, just for an average price. Now, there's a Motel 6 that's close to the sta- uh, stadium at Glendale, which it don't matter if they leave the light on or not. It... Uh, <laughs> It starts at $854 a night. I assume that's not their regular price. Now, it's not uncommon for 100 million viewers just in the U.S. alone to view this game. Um, But we know that regulation, that means the amount of time, is 60 minutes. It is broke up into four 15-minute segments. We know that. Now, the NFL requires 16 commercial breaks. There's eight the first half, eight the second half, and there's the ungodly halftime show. Okay. Now, the average play, what I mean by that, and I think you'll understand... It's when the center hikes the ball normally to the quarterback, to whoever, hikes the ball until he is tackled. On average, it's from 4 to 12 seconds long. That's it. 4 to 12 seconds. The clock continues to run. All the other time is them getting ready for the next play, doing stuff. Um, But this being the Super Bowl... It will, 
go from three and a half to four hours. Most of the games, I went back to all the games that was played this year. Most of them is over three hours. Some is a little over three hours long. But what they do, um, and there will be at least a hundred replays in the game. Replay. So of that four to 12 seconds that you just already seen live, they're showing you that again. They got to. Because you're just sitting there and time, time is going on. They got to keep you occupied. If not, you're paying a fortune, which you're going to be surprised. You spent thousands of dollars to get there. You spent unbelievable rates. If you rode on an airplane, Lord help you to get there. In all, the total length of actual playtime what would you guess? 11 minutes. 11 minutes. You can go back to all the games. In 1912, it was recorded. It was 13 minutes. The reason it's shorter now is because of the rules and regulations. It's got more violent. They've had to have more rules in place they have to have more replays of that rule time goes on but now the actual time of a game so when you place the amount of money that you spent for only 11 minutes of football they don't want you to sit there void they show in replays they show an unbelievable halftime shows that's not fit for anybody to watch they want to keep you up. They will not tell you all you're getting is 11 minutes of football. And that's the way the world operates. It's like our pastor says long time ago. The world, will, the front of the billboard is so pretty. But just walk around and look at the back of it. So... To the person that sits in there, you're touching elbows with somebody you probably don't even know. And you hear everything you don't want to hear. And if you divided up the money and divided it by 11 minutes, you would think, why did I even come? And that is the answer. I'm serious. 11 minutes. Let's stand. Father, we thank you today. God, I love you. I praise you. You are our God. You are our Father. Father, you're the one that we run to, Lord God. I praise you today. I love and I thank you. God, I love you today. Strengthen us, God. I pray in the holy name of Jesus. Touch us, God. Anoint us, God, of your holy word. Seal this word in our heart, Lord God. We love you. We thank you. Touch us this day, God, I pray. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. 
For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.